Today I'm talking to a new mum whose live lockdown streams led her to quit her job as a deputy head teacher and set up her own business, bursting with activities for preschoolers. Ruth Lequee from Wolverhampton had a son just before the pandemic broke and suddenly found herself home alone, wishing she could take him to baby groups. So she started live streaming their home play sessions on Instagram, much to the delight of mums across the Midlands. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. Like many working mums, Ruth was faced with a tough decision when it came to returning to work. She could either go back to her senior role full-time or take a lower-grade teaching job at another school so she could spend more time with her son. Having worked hard to climb the career ladder, Ruth was not keen on either option, so she decided to do something entirely different, inspired by the success of her Insta videos. Hi Ruth, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Hi Zoe, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be invited on to come and speak to you. So tell me what inspired you to come up with the idea for My Mummy Teacher? So during lockdown, uh, I was at home with my little boy. He was about six months when we went into lockdown. So, you know, I like everybody else was, couldn't go to baby groups, couldn't really go out or do anything. And was I was just started, started doing things at home with him and like setting up little play ideas for him to entertain him. And then a couple of friends messaged me and were like, oh, um, what are you doing? Because I used to be a deputy head teacher. And it sort of went from there, really. I, I decided, oh, do you know what? I'll set up an Instagram page and, and start sharing this so that more people can see the things that we're getting up to, share some more ideas out there. And then gradually, as that grew... I thought, right, we're going to go live. We're going to share more ideas to reach more people. And I thought, you know what? There's actually potential here to sort of turn this into a business and really empower and help more and more parents moving forward post-lockdown and to help them all learn through play and support their children with their development and learning at home. So it, it grew from, it really was like a child from lockdown, my little boy, me and him being at home together uh, whilst on maternity leave and just wanting to help other people during the pandemic is literally where it came from. So tell me a bit more about your live streams. What kind of things were you doing on there? Well, where do we start? <laughs> so uh, to begin with, during the pandemic, we were I would go live every evening at eight o'clock. So the children would be in bed, hopefully. <laughs> there were a couple of evenings where it was a little bit... Um, tight going my husband would have to just take over suddenly and I'd run down to go on so I wasn't late and I'd be on there and and the parents would join on or carers or we even had like professional people on there like teachers who were doing the virtual and learning for the children that they had in nursery and stuff like that and I would do it around a theme so I chose a book or a story and or, you know, some sort of like we had a prompt. So the one week it was like this little penguin that came and visited us. And I created ideas and activities around that theme. So every evening I'd literally go on there and say, right, 
today. If you've got babies, this is an activity that you could do. If you've got toddlers, this is what you guys could do. And if you've got preschool or children, we sort of went up to age seven, eight. This is what they could do all around the same theme. And then each evening we'd give uh, a new idea. So like I was saying with the penguin one, we just made it really fun. So I was like, right, everybody, before you go to bed this evening, get some sort of teddy. So mine was a penguin, but whatever you had at home, pop it outside so that when you come down in the morning, the teddy will be cold, it'll be frozen because obviously it's winter time and your little ones will discover it. So they all found this penguin and then um, the penguin led on to the activities that they were doing. So um, they had to make like a little tea party for the penguin to come in and we've just made activities all around that. And, And that's what it was all about, just making them really fun and engaging and just giving the parents some ideas because that's all we needed back in lockdown was just a little bit of inspiration someone to hold our hand and just be like right tomorrow let's give this a go and see how it goes and I think everybody doing it together uh, it really encouraged each other and it was lovely to sort of share what other people were doing and, and see their learning experiences as well. Some of the ideas that you've come up with on your streams have just been absolutely amazing I loved your cardboard space den That was really cool. (laughs) Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I love that. So my little boy at the time, like I said, he was really quite young. So what we did was that was the week we did Aliens Love Underpants. That was our general theme. So the baby activity was getting a cardboard box and poking some fairy lights in the roof and then I ordered off Amazon these little boards and baubles and just shoved them with little sensory scarves and bells just little things like that dangled them from the roof of the cardboard box and he just loved going in there lying it was all sensory looking at the lights trying to move them around whereas for the older children as well then they um they enjoyed you know makers setting that up and some of them got involved with setting that up some of them got involved making it and then once they had that it was like a little den where they could go in and and read with their parents and and just do little things like that in there which was super cozy and and they really enjoyed as well. How do you come up with so many brilliant ideas? This is, it's literally my passion. So, you know, I um, went to university, trained to be a teacher. Before that, I was a private tutor. So ever since I was little, I was that girl that wanted a whiteboard for um, my birthday. When I, and this is the same one, the one you can see behind me. I know everyone else can't, but the whiteboard you can see behind me, that is the whiteboard I had for something like my seventh or my eighth birthday. I love it. And I've still got it now so I used to play teachers with that and sit on my teddies round and so yeah like teaching and inspiring children to learn that's always been my passion that's what I've always wanted to do so I just use my expertise like I just it just comes to me I can't really explain it you know I've taught in children for over 10 years now and did my master's degree in teaching and learning as well and having my little boy just it's that's just it just inspires me I just see there's potential for play and learning in everything and that's one of the things that I like to get across as I you know you don't need to spend a fortune on toys and buy all these new things actually there's so much stuff within your house that if you just look at it you can you know you will see opportunities within that um to spark your child's interest and and to build up their their development and that's what they love more than anything don't they 
I mean, it's always the thing, vain, isn't it, yeah. with the Christmas presents that kids love the cardboard box more than they actually love the toy. <laughs> Absolutely. And the wrapping paper and anything that makes a noise, anything they shouldn't have. <laughs> that's You can guarantee True. that's the thing they'll want them at. <laughs> <laughs> But it was almost, it was quite a serious reason why you ended up setting this up, wasn't it? Because uh, you told me that you felt forced to choose between being a mom and having your career, which is such a shame when you are clearly so passionate about what you do. What happened for you? And do you think this is an issue that lots of women face? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I feel really quite passionately about. So uh, like I previously mentioned, I were, I've worked in schools, in primary schools, and I was deputy head teacher by the age of 27. Had my little boy when I was 28 and requested to go back to work part time. Just needed some flexibility and my personality as well. I've always put 110% into my work that I do. But then when I had my little boy, I knew there was no physical way that I could put 110% into that and 110% into being a mom and 110% into to doing everything. So for me, I just wanted to reduce, you know, reduce my days. I was happy to do four days uh, instead of five. I just wanted that flexibility where I would just have a day to sort of, you know, just be mom for a day with my little boy. And then the other days I could put everything into school. Yes. And um, so applied for that, applied to flexible working, a number of other reasons as well, you know, childcare and this and that. And I basically, you know, I loved my school. I still go into my school and, and have a really good relationship with them. But I think it's a thing in education is that it's it's just not, not seen as the done thing that you can really get flexible working in schools, especially as a senior leader. So I was told I could drop down to being a class teacher or and get part time, but I couldn't continue being deputy head and get part time. And I just felt like, do you know what? I've worked, you know, so hard. I've tried, I've climbed the career ladder. This is what I want to do. I'm not saying I don't want to do my job anymore or I'm not going to do a good job. I'm just saying I just need a little bit of flexibility. Now I'm a mom so that I can manage myself and not burn out completely and and do the best job for both of them. That's that's the thing. I wanted to do the best job I could and I knew I couldn't do the best job I could on, on those full-time hours. But why should women, just because you've had a child, have to give up the career that you've worked hard to get? You know, I self-funded my master's degree. I did that whilst I was teaching full-time. I've always done like continual professional development as much as I could to get there and then actually now I've had a child oh well now you can't do that anymore sorry you have to give it up it just seems so unfair and I know in education and teaching I speak to so many teachers who who feel the same way or they come across the same barriers and I know it it's it's the same in other professions as well. There are more flexibility in some professions but in education particularly it is an area where it, it is still very old school in the thinking. And, you know, I just, I, it's just beyond me, really. We're in the 21st century, 2021, and we're trying to empower women to, you know, to have equal rights in the workplace. Uh, but when it comes down to it, really, actually, you've had a child now, so off you go. Mm. And, and that's almost how it felt. And I really don't think that, 
they thought I would resign. But I just thought, you know what, I'm, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And when I did resign, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I just knew that I wasn't going to do that because I'm, you know, I wasn't happy with being told, actually, you can't do flexible. I wanted, it, made, it almost gave me the fire in my belly to be like, do you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. You absolutely can have a career and you absolutely can be a mom. And you know, don't let that hold you back. And that that was a turning point in a way. I almost need to say thank you to them personally, because if they'd have said yes, I wouldn't be sat here right now talking to you. And I wouldn't get to help the thousands of people that I do. It gave me the push. And I just think, but I do think for, for so many women in education, in jobs that perhaps they don't know what else they could do, which was where I was. Um, something, you know, something does need to be done. What do you think we could do to improve the situation? Allow job shares, number one, you know. Yes, I was a senior leader. Yes, schools need to have consistent staff in their management, as does every team. But equally, if you've got two really good people doing a job, surely that's beneficial. Two heads are better than one. Um, so job shares, I think, really need to be embraced Um for women in the work. I think we need to empower women to say, yeah, actually, it, it's okay to, to um, you know, schedule your diary, what works with you, because, you know, we do have to do it, you know, we do the school drop off, we have to arrange the doctor's appointments, we have to, uh, you know, if we've got elderly parents or grandparents, you're checking, there's so much that we have to do. And, we want to encourage women to do that, not put them put them away from it. It's just, it just, it's just so wrong. Um, but the childcare as well, you know, the UK, I think this is right, has the third most expensive childcare in the world. Well, where, how on earth are we all meant to, you know, to go back to work full time when basically you're then working? to pay for your child to be in childcare because um, the, the funded hours don't come in for everybody um, and then it's still not even everybody if you don't go into the catchment until they're three. So you've got three whole years then of what, you know, more support needs to be put in put in for that. So I'm lucky because my, my mom and my mother-in-law have um, supported me with my little boy. He's going to start nursery in January but up until this point, if I didn't have them, it would have been incredibly difficult for me as well because starting up a business when you're not getting that income initially um, that I've been used to as well and then having to pay childcare costs on top would have almost been impossible. And this is the problem for so many women. Whichever angle you look at, there's a barrier. Yes. Um, and we just need to try and remove these barriers as much as possible and and say, actually, you can be a mom, you can have a career, and you absolutely shouldn't be forced to choose between the two, which is how often it is for so many. That's such a shame, isn't it? So tell me, how does My Mommy work and what makes it different from other edu- educational products that are available? So My Mummy Teacher is an educational brand and we wholeheartedly believe in the power of play. So play underpins everything we do to support your child's learning, to support your child's development. 
there's two sides to the business. So the one side are the products that we sell. So the the products we have currently are our learning through play cards. And each pack of cards, you get 150 ideas in and they're age appropriate. So they go from newborn all the way up to uh, five plus, which is the one for key stage one children. So up to seven years. Within each pack then, the ideas are adapted for a wide range of abilities. And this is what makes our products completely unique because there's there's nothing else on the market that provides this level of inclusivity and adaptation. So you get a main idea on the front of your card and then you turn it over and it shows you how to make it more challenging or how to make it easier to suit the needs of your individual child. So when you're at home and you just, you know, it's not always about teaching your child. It's just about entertaining them, having fun with them, doing something together, that bonding, playing with them. It gives you that idea of something that you can do using things that you've got around the home and you can adapt it to suit the needs of your child because like I say you would choose the pack of the age they are unless they've got special educational needs and then with um, parents I tend to advise on the best ones for them but generally speaking you choose you'd go for the age range and then you'd look on the card and as we know like not all three-year-olds are the same not all two-year-olds are the same so that's why I've got the adaptation in there so that actually you can pitch it the right level for your two-year-old or you can revisit it in a different way or you can push them on a little bit further and that's where my expertise comes in as well because you know parents might be able to just find something on Pinterest for example and set it up but then do they actually understand how to really get the most learning and how to make the most opportunity out of that activity and that's where the cards give you that advice and they show you how to do it and they're pocket size they're super handy you don't have to be on your phone which again is really key when we're talking about just that quality time it doesn't have to be all day every day but having that little bit of quality time with your little one and knowing that you're just you're doing something to support their development or equally you can set it up and there's activities that they will then be able to play independently too. So you're, you can have, you know, you get that chance to have a warm cup of coffee or, or do something else. Nice. I wish they'd have been around when my kids were really little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so many people said that. And we did uh, we did a stall last weekend and the amount of people that said to me, like, where were you in lockdown? I was like, I was, I was there. You just hadn't found me yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, give us a, an example of some of the activities on some of the cards. So I'll go with the, so this one from the three plus. So it says, freeze letters and numbers in ice for your little one to rescue. You could freeze the letters of their name. Can they rescue all the letters they need to build their name? And then you turn it over. So the challenging one says, freeze uppercase and lowercase letters. Use pipettes, tools and warm water to free them and match the letters. Got to match the uppercase and lowercase, or to make that easier, it says add foam letters to a water tray or the bath and make pretend letter soup. Let your little one handle, manipulate, and play with each letter. Can they describe how it feels? For example, cut is round and tut is long. So, as a parent, you perhaps wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think 
to to talk about these sorts of things. So it's and that's what's really important that multi sensory mm. learning. So getting them to to look at them, you might get them to close their eyes. What does it feel like? Oh, this is tall. This is small. Shall we put all the tall ones together? Shall we put all the small ones together? It's just empowering parents to think that little bit further than just here's some letters let's have a look at them or let's play with them and doing it through play as well making it a letter soup so oh, let's put these ones in let's mix them all together or like freezing them if you're freezing those letters and numbers into ice and getting your little one to rescue them to free them so I think on the example there it said to use pipettes or little tools with warm water they're then developing their fine motor skills as well because they've got to um, build up the strength in their fingers to to get them out and problem solving skills. It's not just as simple as, as writing and maths and actually the early years and what we want our children to develop isn't that. That comes second. It's things like their fine motor skills, their gross motor skills, their physical development their personal, social, emotional development, their communication and language, they're the skills we really, really need to focus on. And that's what you get through through the activity cards. It covers the whole range of um, things within the early years. So I've got another one here. So this one is sort of a personal, social and emotional development one. So it's let your child choose photos of them doing an activity or something that made them happy. Glue the photos onto the sides of the cubed cardboard box. Get your little one to roll the box and talk to you about the photo it lands on. So there... They're really going to be developing their communication and language. They've got something to talk about. They are doing literacy as well because they're beginning to understand how to retell an event that's happened. It's something that's personally meaningful to them. You're talking about emotions. It made them happy. How does happy feel? How do I know if I'm happy? Uh, And then to make that challenging, you can give them a camera, let them take photos of their favourite activities or places to help describe their preferences or easier, cut photos in half or multiple pieces to make a DIY jigsaw. Can they build it back together and talk about the photograph? Is it a special place, person or event? And again, that's just a really, really lovely way for them to develop those key skills that are so vital in the early years, that those foundations for learning that you can do at home with your little one. They're both really lovely activities to share with your child as well. I can imagine parents will make really happy memories using these cards. Because I think homeschooling really opened our eyes and changed our family family relationships, didn't they, in a way that you know, we've never seen before. How important do you think it is for parents to try to teach their children at home before they start school? So I think teach is a really strong word and Mm. sometimes this is where additional pressure can be put on parents. So, you know, the company name, the brand is My Mummy Teacher and that's because I am a mom and I am a teacher and I'm empowering you as a parent or professional to help your children learn through play. I'm not empowering you to teach your children. You're not a teacher and you know, teachers, they go to university, they study degree. It would be like me going to be a hairdresser. I wouldn't really have a clue and it can be quite daunting. So I think really switching the word from from teach 
and school and making it more about just supporting their development, supporting their learning and, and supporting their play is a better way to look at it. The first five years, as we know, have the biggest impact on their their future academic attainment, their future life chances, so many different things. So the more that you can do at home, the more it's going to benefit your child. But that's not to say you've got to sit your child down with a worksheet and a pencil and teach them and make them do this. And then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. If we have that mindset, it's not going to work for anybody because it's going to be stressful for the parent. It's going to become stressful for the child. And this is what quite a lot of families did find in lockdown because they were trying to sort of replicate what was in school. But that's that's not going to work because your home isn't school and the relationships are completely different. You're a parent or a carer with your child. You're not a teacher or a professional. So your child's going to see you in a different way as well. So when we take away the focus being on teaching and, and put the focus on development and support and guidance, uh, it, it's going to really help both the parent and the child. And it's things like reading, singing, role play, developing those skills that we mentioned before that as a parent or carer, you might not be aware of. But that's why we designed these cards to literally give it you. They are there for you. Everything that your child needs to be learning through the curriculum is in there. So you know that you're you're doing the best things that you can um, to support them. And then once children start school, how much help should parents be giving their kids with homework? Should they kind of be supporting them all the way through or leaving them to it a little bit so the teacher can really see what they're doing? So that, again, that's a really lovely question. And even before school, it's really important to develop independent play or independent work. And really, that is our goal, to encourage our children to be independent. So again, it's an absolute fine balance. Homework that's given, it should be something that your child should be able to access independently with perhaps a little bit of guidance. But if the homework that's being sent home is just far too hard and your child is needing you to sit with them, so I'm talking like key stage one children now, um, you know, where they will get worksheets of maths or whatever. If it's that hard that your child can't access it at all without you helping them, then I would definitely be going back to the teacher and and having a conversation because that work needs to be adapted so that they can access that and have a go at that independently. Um, Again, I think it is is important to support your child um, and anything additional that you can give them is, of course, going to benefit them. But it's all about the pressure again. Don't put the pressure on yourselves to sit down and be this teacher that sits there and does their homework and does this and then does this and then does that because it's not going to work. It's the incidental learning. That's that's the sorts of things that we want. So as a parent, if your child's doing their homework and their homework is about, I don't know, the seaside, for example. So maybe they're writing a story about the seaside as a um, a really good thing for a parent to do there would be able to make the link. So if you know that you read a story with your child about the seaside the evening before last, make that link to them, make that clear. Oh, do you remember that story we read where that character went to the sea? Oh, that's what you're writing about. Or 
um, experiences that they've done. Do you remember last summer when we went to the beach? How did it feel? Where did we go? Oh, do you remember you found the crabs? That's the sort of support and scaffold that a parent can give that will then help the child with their homework. You don't want to spoon feed them. You don't want to do it for them. You're just sort of scaffolding and putting in, making those links explicit so that they they can get that all around and, and that better understanding of what it is that they're doing. Now, I know you launched in June 2021, so just last yeah. June, um, and you've had orders come in from Australia, America, Canada, Spain. I mean, how have you turned your kind of light bulb moment into a global success? <laughs> oh, global success. <laughs> Bless you, yeah. And, well, it's, well, let's go back to the beginning. So we started with, it was me and my little boy on Instagram doing live streams, just helping people. And that's the key thing, really. That's all I've ever really wanted to do is to help other parents in my position to be able to help their children and guide them. And by starting up on Instagram and Facebook, I really built up like a good community and a lovely supportive community. So we have a Facebook group as well now where people can share things or ask advice. And I think having that and really being able to understand exactly what it is that parents feel the, you know, that are their struggles, so to speak, when it comes to playing with their children, learning with their children, really helped me to then be able to create something that I know it wasn't out there already. There's nothing with this sort of level of adaptability and um, nothing that was written against the new framework as well, because the early years got a new framework in um, 2021. It came into like when we had to start using that. And I just... I, I listened to them, really. I listened to, to my parents that, that were talking to me and created something that I knew would help them and got feedback from people throughout the whole process. And then it's just grown from there. Obviously, the, when we first launched, the, the people that were already following, my loyal followers, shall we say, um, they purchased them and then told their friends about them. And, you know, organically, it just grows. And I think we've sold into schools now as well because um, schools have purchased these for their parents. So I had one school that bought them for all of their reception and nursery parents as a welcome gift at the start of September. Which That's lovely. That was just, you know, that for me was such a moment because I was just like, wow, like you really do value that parent relationship and empowering your parents will empower your children ultimately. And then we've had other schools that have bought them for their interventions. So children that perhaps need that active way of learning rather than the more traditional sitting at the table with the pen and pencil as part of interventions for teaching assistants to run. They've purchased them for their ideas. And even though these people are professionals, you know, they can design curriculums and write ideas just like I can. It's having what the feedback has been is that it's just there. It's handy. You grab it and you go. They haven't, you know, people are so busy. They haven't got to, to think. So I think just, you know, just listening to what it is that people wanted and how I could help them. And then it sort of snowballed from there. But I just think really my goal has just been 
I'm on a mission now. Uh, you know, it started. And when I had that first sign, I was like, oh my God, people have actually bought this. That just made me feel like, okay, we're going to go from here because there's no stopping us really. I know this is just the beginning and we can, you know, I've got more products in the pipeline to to come out that are just going to continue to empower and help parents even more with their play and learning for their children. And you got to meet Prince Charles, didn't you? Tell me about how that came about. Yeah, so that was that was amazing. Uh, so when I launched my business, I obviously didn't have a clue. So in terms of education, yeah, know that, can do that. In terms of setting a business, how on earth do you go about that when you when you don't know anything about it? Like a margin to me was something that I'd seen a child's exercise book. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> like that's where we were. So I was driving and I heard an interview on the radio, um, an advert, sorry, on the radio for the Prince's trust and it was an enterprise program that they do for people aged 18 to 30 and I was I think I just turned 30 I was just maybe I was 29 I was about to turn 30 and I was like oh do you know what I can squeeze in why not so I rung up and I just said I'm just inquiring about this can you offer some advice and then throughout lockdown I went on to their sort of training program so I they do um workshops and webinars where people like me could just learn about a business that side of things so I did that through the Prince's Trust then obviously launched and they invited me and um, to go and showcase what I'd done to to Prince Charles so that was just incredible and amazing and he was he was so lovely he was um he took some of the cards for Prince Charlotte uh, Princess Charlotte sorry Prince Louis and Prince George so I hope they're enjoying them. <laughs> but, um, you know, he just said how wonderful it was, how many parents must have helped, especially through lockdown. Um, and he, he thought the ideas were great. And I had one set up on the table, which was an activity taken from our OnePlus Learning Through Play cards. And it was a muffin tray. And then inside there were lots of pom-poms and over them there was elastic bands. And then I had some tweezers. So the idea was that the children had to get the pom-poms out. So for the really little ones, they're developing that fine motor strength again and hand-eye coordination. Whereas for older children, they could perhaps have to free the pom-poms and then they could sort them by colours, that sort of thing. And um, he looked at the activity and thought that it looked really fun and he could see that children would definitely enjoy doing that. Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely a moment I will never forget to think that, you know, a year, just over a year ago, I was in that position where I was, you know, denied flexible working and felt like I had to choose between being a mom or being a deputy head teacher and having a career to then leaving and thinking, you know what, I'm going to turn my passion into my business and see if we can help more. And then a year on, there I am, stood in front of Prince Charles, showing him the product that I literally created and wrote in my home office. And like, you know, spare bedroom that I've turned into an office, just sat in here throughout lockdown when I wasn't juggling everything else. Uh, And to think, wow, he's seen these and, you know, the impact that they're having is amazing. And no, just got to keep going, just keep, got to keep spreading the word and trying to help as many people as we can. As you say, it's amazing, isn't it, how you've gone from helping 300-odd kids in one school 
to helping thousands of kids and and their mums and dads. It's clearly meant to be. Because that's what people say, you know, do you think you'll ever go back in the classroom? Do you miss that? And yeah, of course, I absolutely miss the children. But the other side of the business, so we've got the products, but I do do consultancy work where I'll go and do like workshops for parents and I do training for um, teachers as well. So I feel like I I almost get the best of both worlds because I still get to go into schools and I still get to see the children and get that contact in person with the parents. But I also get to help so many more and globally as well when you when you put it like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we have a series of questions that we ask all of our guests so I'm going to fire them at you if that's okay so what would be the two things you would tell your 18 year old self if you had the chance I think number one would be to trust the timings of your life and that's one of the things that this year and the last year has really shown to me because at the time, you don't, you might not understand why something's happening. You might feel like it's unfair. And there's, you know, there's lots of things that have happened within my life since being 18 that I've never quite understood. Well, you know, I lost my dad when I was 20. And that was like a massive thing that happened. Lots of other little things as well. Obviously, everybody has things that happen in their life. But I really do feel like now, just trusting in the times of your life and and you don't know why it's happening and at that time your world can feel like it's crumbling and you don't know where you're going but your life will it has a plan just keep going just keep believing just keep following your passion just keep you know whatever it is you're focusing on trust it and and it will come into fruition hopefully (laughs) so that's one thing I would say just trust the timings of your life Believe in yourself, follow your gut. That sort of all comes into the same thing. And also, I think at 18, I would tell myself, goodness me, Ruth, you really are so young. I think at 18, I thought I was so old and I knew everything. And actually, no, you are very young. Just enjoy being 18 because you've got the rest of your life to um, to deal with adulthood and all that comes along with it. But in terms of that, you are super young. Take the chances that you can because regrets will haunt you more than failure does. So do mm. it. If you get the opportunity, go for it because you're going to, you know, like I said, a regret will haunt you more than failure will. So just do it and don't take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah, that is really, really sound advice. What are three things you love to do every day? So what gives you a great routine, a start and end to the day? In terms of routine, the one thing that I do every day is I get up and I have a decaf green tea for breakfast, which is quite unusual. Most people have coffee or tea or they have caffeine as well. But when I was pregnant, I obviously stopped drinking caffeine and then never started again. So I'm a de- I've converted to decaf and I swear by green tea now every morning for breakfast just puts me in the right mood for my routine. That's super healthy. Yeah, I'm I'm not really super healthy anyway. It's like the only thing that I do. (laughs) You've probably got this image of me now of being like (laughs) really good on nutrition and that. Absolutely not, but I do love a green tea. Um, I'm a really big family person. My family is so, so, so important to me. And 
every day. Like I make sure that I speak to my grandma, speak to, you know, if I can't get to speak on the phone, we have the family WhatsApp chat and I'll always make sure I check in on there. Always tell them that I love them. That is just that for me means that I'm going to have a good day when I've told my family that I love them and I care about them. I've just checked in with them and little things that are really important. And then what else? Maybe just making sure that I, I spend some quality time with my little boy as well. And it's not the quantity, it's the quality because as you can imagine, you know, right now I, I'm working, I'm trying to run a business. Time is not in, you know, I don't have heaps and heaps of time, but just making sure the time that we do spend together is quality time. And that's what I say to a lot of parents as well, because they feel this guilt and the mum guilt is so real. When you're at work, you feel like mm. you should be with your children. When you're with your children, you feel like you should be working. You don't reply to your friends' messages, like I'll reply to them a week later. And it's not that we mean to, it's just that, that life is busy. So just making sure I have that time to, you know, read him his bedtime story or play with him or use one of our cards or just putting in those little nuggets of quality time over quantity for me uh, really helps with my routine, helps keep me sane and feel like actually I, I am doing an okay job in both things. So what would be the one piece of advice you would give to a parent trying to support their child with their learning at home? Have fun, take the pressure off, make it relevant to your child so you know your child best and go with their gut. So if your child absolutely loves, I don't know, Paw Patrol, make whatever you're trying to get them to learn or develop through Paw Patrol because they're going to get much better buying because it's going to be intrinsically motivating for them. They're going to enjoy it and ask questions, you know, We've got out the Facebook group where parents pop things in there and there's never a silly question. Like the only questions are the questions that you don't ask. And it is so true, you know, and there's people out there that will want to help you. And, um, you know, even little things like it's not just how can I help them do this? How can I help them do that? Find out what's going on in your local area, you know, network with other parents, carers, if you do homeschool as well. So I've sort of spoken about parents who perhaps don't homeschool as a thing, whereas there are parents that do specifically homeschool. Um, Look, you know, look for groups around that. There's lots of people there, meet up with people, finding out where there's little trips, day trips, because it's all about the links. It's not just about sitting there at a table doing activities. Give them a variety of experiences, make it explicit. So if they're learning, I don't know, about how to count and you go on a walk, let's go and count seven leaves or let's go and count, can we find seven houses with a red door? That is supporting your child to learn and develop through play at home and it's the best thing that you can do is the incidentals and um, and making it active relevant and fun just take the pressure off yourselves <laughs> oh well it's been wonderful to talk to you Ruth thank you so much for your time and all of your fantastic ideas and I wish you lots of uh, luck and success with my mummy teacher oh thank you ever so much for having me Zoe it's been absolutely lovely to speak to you too you can read more of Ruth's tips on our Brummy Mummies Facebook page, on the Birmingham Live website, and on Ruth's website, mymummyteacher.com. 
This is a Laudable production brought to you by Brummy Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up for our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time. <laughs>